Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hold the Line. My name's Joe, and I'm a British force-free gun dog trainer. You can check out my online courses at forcefreegundog.com. The newest course is called Training the T Drill. You can also pick up a copy of my book called Force Free Gun Dog Training: The Fundamentals for Success, which is available on Amazon's everywhere around the world. There's also an accompanying workbook to record your training sessions in. I'm currently working on a sequel to Force Free Gun Dog Training. And I hope it's going to be out maybe in about six months. We'll see. That's all for now. Let's get on with the show. Train your gun dog without force or fear. Motivate and educate. Hold the line is here. Invention, repetition, generalization, motivation. Hold the line. Oh, yeah. Hello, I am Joe Lawler, and welcome to Hold the Line, the podcast for force free gun dog training. Hold the Line is committed to helping you train your dog to an advanced level using motivational methods and without the use of fear or pain. Thank you for tuning in and please make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hold the Line! I am delighted to introduce you to Dr. Claire Brand. Claire owns and works Springer Spaniels and she is also currently doing a Master's in Clinical Animal Behaviour. Claire is a trustee at the Gundal Club, and she's really been a champion of the Gundal Club becoming force-free. So I wanted to talk to her particularly about that change, which has happened relatively recently for the Gundal Club. Welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Um, So I thought maybe just to start with, you could just tell us about your own dogs, just so we get a sense of where you're coming from dog-wise. Yeah, so... um... I've had dogs most of my life, um, but up until about four years ago, they were of the greyhound variety, which are very different creatures to gun dogs. They're incredibly lazy, sleep a lot, don't really require any great training. Um, and they, they were uh, ex-racers that we um, adopted. Um, I had many over the years. I also helped... Um, foster some to get them used to being in a home environment when they finish racing and come out of kennel so I worked with a rehoming kennel um and they were just pets I didn't really do anything what I had one that I did agility with actually because she was a bit more active than your average greyhound um but I didn't really do much training with them I did odd bits one of them I took to dog shows I kind of rocked up to the local dog show just for something to do one day and, and came away with best in show which was very amusing. Um, <laughs> so then I thought, oh, this is good. Kind of got into that a bit. All the uh, show people there were not best pleased. Me with my sort of tatty racing dog. Um, and that was kind of it. I didn't really sort of do an awful lot with them. They were just kind of lazy pets that laid around the house and didn't do much. But my husband grew up with um, a, co- a Springer Collie Cross, which sounds quite high maintenance but she was actually an incredible dog um very laid back really easy to train um and both me and my husband particularly liked springers we had a friend in devon uh that we we went out beating with and he had his own springers and so when the time came that he actually bred his male springer max he said would we be interested in a puppy 
So we said, oh, yes, that would be lovely. Because by that point, I kind of decided that I wanted what I would call a proper dog that I could train and do stuff with. And we were really into gun dogs and we loved to go. I'd always kind of said that one day I'll have a gun dog um, and train it. And we, we, lo- we loved going out beating. We really enjoyed it. And With your so sight hounds, was that? Yeah, yeah. Right. So we had, so in 2015, we brought Rosie home at eight weeks, um, who's uh, now, well, she'll be four in July. So she's our, my first Springer Spaniel, my first of my own dog, um, gun dog. We still had one of our old greyhounds at home spot at the time. And he was incredible with her. He was about 10 years old at the time. Um, and she's she's just really opened up a whole new world to me. So I looked into gun dog training. Um, my first port of call was actually, so I, I kind of read about Pippa and stuff. So I looked into the gun dog club and fortunately I joined the positive gun dogs Facebook group and I discovered Colette who I believe you've spoken to. I did. Yes. And it all kind of went from there. So I started training Rosie with Colette good three years ago And I just enjoyed it so much. And as a result of that, my whole life has changed. I've met so many people within the force free gun dog world. Um, I then got involved with a gun dog club. And we'll probably talk about that in a bit more detail in a moment. Um, I now have another Springer, Morse, who's a year old now. um, And I'm training him. I've also started a master's in clinical animal behavior so as a child I always really wanted to be a vet but wasn't quite clever enough um and I tell people that and I said they said well what did you do and I said well I then did a PhD which kind of sounds a bit dark <laughs> but that's how it worked um so I I formerly was a clinical molecular geneticist at Guy's and I actually gave up work not to have children but to be at home with my greyhounds so to become a full-time dog mum children came along later um yeah, but my life has, since getting this first little spring of Spaniel, Spaniel Rosie, my life has completely changed. It's it's great. I've got so many friends, so many new interests. Um, yeah, I've got a lot to thank her for. And it's only been four years, so you've done a lot in the last four years. Yeah, life has really changed. It's um, I mean, it's, it's not so much a hobby. It's a way of life, really, now. You know, my, I spend most of my day, I've been sort of, I'm doing an anthrozoology course for my master's. So I've kind of been spending the morning basically studying animal behavior and playing with my dogs. And that's what I get to do every day. And it's great. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I do know that you're, you're um, deeply involved with the Gun Dog Club, but I'm not actually sure what your official title is or if you even have a a title. I'm not sure if I have. So that again, I was kind of looking back thinking, well, then when did all that start? That's, that's actually literally almost three years to the day that, I got involved with the Gundog Club. So how that came about, Pippa put a post on Positive Facebook, uh, Positive Gundog's Facebook group saying, we need some volunteers to help us out. So I kind of thought, well, I'm not working at the moment. My youngest had just started full-time school. So I thought, okay, yeah, I'll get involved. That's That sounds interesting. So I started initially um, packaging up all the books that they sell um, and sending them all out. And then I started kind of doing, basically, I started sort of largely doing most of the admin, um, along with Julie, who who does most, a lot of it as well. And so that involves sending out the books, organising field tests, registering people's dogs, um, just kind of answering general emails and that kind of thing. 
So I did that for, I think, about two years. And then about a year ago, it was probably a bit more than a year ago, but only just over a year ago, Pippa then asked, would I be interested in becoming a trustee um, of the charity, the Gundog Trust? So I said, yes, absolutely. I was quite committed to the Gundog Club, um, what it was trying to achieve. Um, So I then became... A trustee, and I guess my trustee role probably is more sort of the admin type thing, um, if anything. But now, because the Masters has kind of taken up a bit of time, we've actually got a new volunteer, Susan Adams, who's who's basically doing most of what I used to do, most of the admin that I used to do. But I'm kind of still there checking emails, and uh, I'm still very much involved, but a bit more behind the scenes, I would say now. Right. Right. Well... Tell us a little bit about the Gunder Club because I, well, obviously I know what it is being a Gunder Club instructor, but I'm sure there are lots of people listening who, you know, they're not quite sure what it is and what's no, involved. Sure. And, yeah. So the Gunder Club was actually, well, first of all, that the, the role of it is to get people training their dogs, um, and it's non-competitive graded training scheme. Um, you don't have to have a kennel club registered dog; it's open to all breeds. You don't even need a gun dog breed. Um, so the Gundog Club sell manuals, um, and these will be rewritten, um, and we'll probably discuss that a bit in a moment. You register your dog, and you pay a test fee, and then, as I say, it's a graded scheme um, where you work towards for uh, retrievers and hunting retrievers, which is the Spaniels, there's five grades, and then for the HPRs currently there's four grades. And the idea is that if you go all the way through the tests – you would then have a dog which would be capable of going on to do the Kennel Club Working Gun Dog Certificate, for example, and and, uh, enter novice working tests, which obviously are competitive. Or you could just work your dog on a shoot, whatever you want to do. So the club itself was first conceived uh, by Pippa back in 2005. So her 11-year-old son wanted to train his Labrador puppy, And she came up with the idea of a graded scheme. She'd kind of seen how well her children had done with piano grades and so forth and that they did a bit. Then they kind of got a bit of positive reinforcement with, yeah, you have a certificate, you've passed this bit. Let's get on to the next bit and kind of breaking it up into something more manageable. Um, And she she looked to see if there was anything of a similar ilk around that was non-competitive and just available to break down the, the training of a gun dog. Um, and there wasn't, so she thought, hmm, maybe I could set up such a scheme and, uh, she did. So she set up a company with her daughter, Sammy. Um, it was called training for gun dogs and it was set up in 2006 and they registered the very first assessor in January, 2006 and sold the first grade one test entry on February that year. Then during 2010 the objectives of the gun dog club were revisited and a number of strategies were put in place to ensure that it remained focused on the original goals of helping gun dog owners complete their dogs training and introduce the owners to gun dog field work so there'd been a number of people basically trying to um, copy the scheme so there was theft of test designs and other intellectual property um and as a business, the Gundog Club was very much vulnerable to these threats. So Pippa and Sam wanted to ensure that the graded training scheme would be protective and preserved forever for public benefit. And so they kind of looked at ways of achieving this. 
and it was decided to change the structure of the organisation and to actually put the Gundog Club in the hands of a charity. Um, at the time, uh, trainers were sub were subcontracted, so they actually then decided to have an affiliate scheme. Um, and in 2011, Pippa and Sammy donated the company to a newly formed charity, the Gundog Trust, and it's still that trust now that maintains the company. Um, and then bringing us right up to date, uh, March last year, the Gundog Club made the announcement that it would only accredit Force Free instructors. And that, Yay. Did, cause, that did cause some, you know, obvious mm. uproar. Surprisingly, not as much as the trustees thought it would. And I'm delighted to say that at the current time, we have 19 Force Free Gundog trainers on the books. Excellent. Um, we have a Facebook group with over a thousand members. And when you look at sort of how we've done with registrations and, and, and everything, since moving force free, we've never been busier. It's been a complete success. And to be honest, that that surprised us all. We we didn't do it as a sort of marketing ploy, but it was a genius marketing ploy. That's very um, interesting, yeah. isn't it? It, it, the, the demand for it was so strong that it, we, we're absolutely flying. It's it's wonderful. It's so wonderful to see, and that's that's wonderful for us as trustees to see that yes, we've done what we thought was the right thing to do, and and obviously we've been reinforced that yes, that was the right thing to do. Yeah, so that's kind of where the the club is at the moment. It's funny um, to hear it because um, I I was um, I knew Pip on some online now defunct online gun gundog forum. Right. Um, in must have been just before and whilst she was having the idea of the gundog club. Um, oh wow! And I want to get Pippa on to talk to her on a, in a podcast episode as well and interview her, but. Um, I just I remember her sort of saying, "I've got this idea, and what's everyone think about this idea?" And um, yeah, so it was very what, interesting. What, what I love is that she had this idea; it wasn't out there, so she just thought, "Oh, well, I'll do it then." You know, I, I love yeah. that she went and did it. It's yeah. brilliant. I particularly like the, uh, the idea that in, in America they have hunt tests where they are, you know, is about achi- achieving a standard and not being competitive. It's kind of where she kind of pitched it at. Um, yeah. So in this country, obviously, traditionally, it's to do with the kennel club and it is all competitive. Um, but your average person starting out with their young puppy, you, eventually, when you've done a few competitions, you probably kind of feel OK about it. But it's not kind of where you want to start out. Um, yeah. And it's just nice having a structure. Yeah. Uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and like I say, you kind of, you know, I've done a couple of the tests and you kind of get your certificate. and You think, right, OK, on to the next bit. And it, it spurs you on and... You can you can see your progress, I guess. Yes, it's not so. It's not as intimidating as being no, competition no, direct competition not. with others. No, yeah. Absolutely not. I think that's the key. Yeah. So and and now it's force free. So that's yes. been a, that's been a fantastic development as well. Um, and like I say, that's that's gone infinitely better than, than we could have hoped. I, I I was actually the one that that posted on Facebook the the kind of pressed the button and it was kind of I pressed the button and then kind of ran for cover thinking oh right and uh no not at all it was uh it was wonderful it was wonderful to see how how everyone embraced it really really lovely and where where do you think that embracing it is coming from do you think that's from 
people starting out who want to train force free from the beginning or I, is it- yes i think so i think that i think gun dog training is is behind unfortunately a number of, of other dog sports um you know most most other dog sports have kind of moved towards positive reinforcement training force free training whatever you want to label it um that kind of ethos i think they've all kind of were there 10 years ago and, and gun dog training is still kind of not there and, it, and it's still the belief that it can't be done and how ridiculous you know you've got dogs out in the field with guns and stuff and you know you can't just go feeding them a bit of cheese and hope but but I think it, it's people understanding that that's not quite what it's about um and I think yeah I think most people coming into it who have got a pet dog they may have gone to a sort of a generic pet class where largely most of those will be force free and and based on positive reinforcement and science-based training and then they come to some some sort of traditional gun dog training and they're a bit kind of oh you know this is a bit in the dark ages and they're surprised so I think definitely the, the the demand is there and it always was um and I think we we Although we knew the demand was there, I think we probably underestimated it. Um, yeah. And I think people, I think a lot of gun dog people are p- perhaps not out loud, traditional gun dog people perhaps not out loud, but I think they're starting to be a mindset change. And I think some of them are interested in it, but kind of don't want to stick their head above the parapet. Um, yeah, we were just talking about that with Colette a little bit in terms of, you know, it's, it's gradually changing, but it's people yeah. don't, people are using these methods, but they don't want to say they are because they no, feel they like they're making they... a statement then and they attract, you know. Well, and then if if they have a dog that doesn't perform so well, everyone will be like, oh, well, you know, that's because, you know, so they don't kind of want to put themselves out there. And I, and I, yeah, and, no and, one wants to be the poster child yeah, for, yeah, for it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's, I think hopefully the days of, very very harsh handling are kind of on the out um and I think people are more willing to embrace it they might not they might not want to admit it but I think the interest is there and and I think it's quite an exciting time actually for for gun dog training I think um I mean certainly in the US there's you know it's, it, it it's a bit harsher but certainly Fens, uh, Denise Fenzi she has all her Fenzy courses and there's yeah there's Cassia big, Turcot, yeah, yeah that's right and there's there's a big demand for it out there as well so I think I think I think the tide is changing it's exciting times it's it's just going to take time so yeah I mean do you see people going through the Gundog Club grades and then moving on to more conventional mainstream um, Gundog work or competition or shoots or do you see them sort of the pet owners are are doing these initial gun dog initially it's for pet owners um but they kind of get into it and they kind of i think the initial thing is they just want a well-trained pet dog and they think well i've got a gun dog let let's kind of use its natural instincts um channel that and then they kind of get the bug um and so they start doing it and then i think they kind of you know, meet like-minded people. And, and I think it evolves from there. Some people just do a few grades and they've got their, you know, lovely pet that they can take out and um, they're happy with that. And that's great. Um, I mean, for me, I think certainly with gun dogs, but certainly, well, I mean, with any breed, I think, but particularly with gun dogs, I think giving them an outlet to be able to 
express their natural behaviour. I mean, that's one of the five freedoms, the, the, you know, the freedom to express natural behaviours. And gun dog training obviously provides that for gun dogs. And, and, that, and that can help with, you know, staving off behavioural issues down the line. And I think that's kind of why I like people getting into it. And certainly, I, like I say, I think some people kind of get the bug and then they, they possibly never thought they would step foot on a shooting field. But then actually when they get into it, they kind of, yeah, they, they sort of see that we're not all running around frantically shooting things just for the fun of it. And it's all, it's, you know, there's a bit more to it than that. So I think you're, I think you're saying something like people start out being pet owners, but then maybe through this process are helped to move more into competition. And Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know I know there's a lot of people that have done the grades that have then gone on to do sort of novice tests and so forth, or they've taken their dog out beating or shooting, picking up. Um, some haven't, but but it it's it just gets people initially involved. Um and, and regardless of where they end up, if they end up with a you know, a family pet that's got a nice outlook for its instincts, um, I think that's a great thing. So regardless of where they take it. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the different routes, like the different categories in yes. terms of HPR retriever. And it's called hunting retriever. And one of my questions has always been, why is Spaniel category called hunting retriever? You know, I don't actually <laughs> know. Yeah. I mean, I wondered if it was about, late, maybe I can ask Pippa more about this when we, yeah. when we get her on, but maybe it's something to do with the the role that the dog does rather than the breed that they are because I know the original idea was that any it's more breed to do with of dog the, should, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more to do with role I think and traditionally the the sort of you know the dogs out front flushing were the spaniels um, so they were hunting um, right and then the, the the sort of I guess the picking up line was was more the the, the standard retrievers so the labs and the and the uh, and the flat coats and everything so they're yeah, retrievers. So- so people don't have to do the the relevant category to their dog, but most people do. Most people do, but certainly I could have just done the retriever test with Rosie. Um, she actually, for a spaniel, loves retrieving. Um, she's she's quite a good little retriever, actually. So yeah, just because you have a spaniel doesn't mean you have to do the hunting retriever. Not at all. If you've got a spaniel and you just want to do the retrieving bit, fine. Um, I'm not sure whether you could you could potentially have a lab and a spaniel doing hpr because i've seen <laughs> those point rosie points on occasion um yeah there are pointing labs in america so yeah yeah so yeah no you don't just because you've got a spaniel you don't have to do the hunting retriever test you do whichever one you you know if you just want to do the retriever test then uh, or if you've got a retriever that you want to do hunt, i mean i've seen some some labradors beating and they're amazing so yeah you kind of don't have to be pigeonholed in in you've, I mean, and certainly we take crossbreeds and other breeds of dogs. So, um, yeah, that's important to mention, isn't it? That your dog doesn't have to be kennel club registered, no, do and it doesn't even have to be a gun dog. Um, we've we've got all sorts um, doing the grade. So you kind of pick. Well, I think I'd quite like to do hunting retriever with my, I don't know, greyhound. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably not, but um, having had greyhounds, but yeah, if you if that's what you want to do, yeah. go for Except it. The flush might be difficult, but. Yeah, they don't do sit. They do down and stand. <laughs> they don't, I, I've never had one that sat. They don't do too, their legs are too long. doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe some people, to give people an overview of like how the grades progress and how the dog's learning will develop through the different grades, maybe we can sort of sketch 
I don't know if you want to pick Retriever or Spaniel or HBR, but sort of sketch the development from like grade one to grade five, like how the tasks which the dogs asked to do will develop. Okay, folks, it's time for a whistle pause. A whistle pause is when there would usually be an advert from a sponsor. But I don't have a sponsor, so instead I'm going to play you a tune on my trusty Acme 212. Now the tune there is slightly hampered by the fact that the 212 is just one pitch, but I hope you can appreciate the rhythm. Now the reason that we've got this beautiful whistle pause instead of an advert is because I don't get any funding for this podcast or sponsorship. I record it, edit it, upload it myself and I pay for the server. I don't want to get a sponsor because then I have to promote whatever business is sponsoring me and apart from the fact that I think that most dog products are bollocks, I would lose some of the independence and the freedom that I have at the moment to say whatever I want to say about whatever I want to say it about. But if you want to support me, and if you like this podcast, then there are some ways that you can support me, which will also benefit you, I hope. So you can check out the online courses I make, which you can find at forcefreegundog.com. And you can also check out my book, Force Free Gundog Training, and the accompanying workbook for it, which is a planner called The Workbook. You can get both of these from Amazon wherever you live in the world. So I really hope you can support me and check out some of this material. Anyway, that is the end of today's Whistle Pause. Let's get back to the show. So, I mean, grade one is more kind of almost life skills that you would probably cover in a puppy class. So it's things like walking to heel, um, sit stays, um there's a retrieve in there but it's a very basic one it doesn't have to be brought back to hand so it, it's I mean the only thing that's potentially specifically gun dog like is is the retrieve but otherwise it's very generic um skills that any pet class could be running and you you can do that from as soon as your dog's six months old so you really can do it while they're still a puppy right um so with the so that would be the retriever with the the spaniels the hunting retriever the only other thing they have to do is you have to kind of send them into a bit of cover and just that they've got the attitude that they probably want to put their nose down which most spaniels do. Um, grade two, um, the the retrieve is becoming more formal. The sit stays a bit longer, and you start introducing the stop whistle. So that's again, I, I've seen a lot of pet classes teach it. It's basically an emergency stop. So you blow a whistle or whatever cue you want to give, and the dog stops. So at grade two, that's actually done at heel um, rather than remotely. So th- there's kind of two schools of thought on that. I I'd always taught it remotely. Um, yeah, so when I know I, that as well. So when I did my grade two, I specifically had to teach it as an at heel exercise. Mm. So that so um, but but either way, it's the whistle goes. You sit where you are, and then you walk away, or you sit. So it's basically an emergency stop. And like I say, I've seen a lot of of, of pet classes train that to all breeds. Um, grade three again, bit more of a progression. Um, it's really from sort of I'd say grade four onwards that the, the 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 three different types split and become more specific so then you start introducing things like water work um and then if you want to 
you can start uh, with retrieving game. So it's really kind of just building up sort of core skills of walking at heels, steadiness, stop, um, various different retrieves. So retrieving and then redirecting into different directions. And it just builds it all up gradually. And so many of these skills are really important just for all dogs. Oh, I think, I mean, an, emergen- an emergency stop, I think, is, you know, say you're out in the, par- in the park and you see some strange dog running towards your dog and or your dog's running and it's chasing something, it's going towards, a- you just want to be able to stop it when you want, you know, when you need to, just for a safety perspective. I think I think that's something all sort of pet owners should should have, walking to heel, obvi- or, you know, obviously, and it's, that's probably one of the things that most pet owners have issues with, um, walking to heel. Um, sit, stay, you might want to sit your dog, walk back to the car, get some. I mean, you might, you might not, but there, there's all sorts of scenarios where you, you could use this sort of in, just in everyday life or even sit still while I put your food down so I'm not getting mugged while I'm trying to feed you and just little things like that. I think it's it's kind of everyday stuff. And just because we wrap it up and call it gun dog training, it, it's actually just general everyday stuff that's really useful to everyone. Yeah, but I think what makes it really valuable is that it's outside and around real distractions like smells. It's not in a church hall. It's, it's, it's the real world. There's smells, there's other animals, there's other dogs, there's other people, there's, you know, real life is, is going on. And they're so it's you know their impulse, they're building up their impulse control, their ability to work around distractions. You know all things that you need for real life. You know we we all hear the, but he does it at home. You know this this kind of is teaching them that you know it's helping them generalize the skills. Um, Yeah. I mean, I often think if if a dog can resist the temptation of I don't know a fluttering bird or a dummy that's just fallen on the floor yeah. in front of them, then they can do anything really. They can walk past a, a table of cakes at a village fete or they can, you know, it's like, it's, yeah. I mean, sometimes I look up when, when you're on Facebook and you see all these rants that people, you know, a dog came running up to my dog today, right? Well, that would be solved by having a reliable recall. A dog exactly. Would, you, know, you just can go through all of these things and think, well, you know, Gundam skills would equip you, you with all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, like I say, we call it gun dog training, but actually it's, it's, basic life skill training really yeah um the only thing like i say that's probably specifically gun dog like are the retrieving elements yeah the rest of it is all good life skills yeah so what do people do if they're sort of listening to this and they're interested in finding out more about how they can test their dogs Uh, i mean can can people just take the test or they have to do they have to do a course? They, they need to, no, they, they need to be registered to take the test, but they certainly, they don't actually have to take a course with one of our instructors, although we would recommend that, you know, because they might, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's more for, it's fun, but we are aware that we don't have instructors in every corner of the, of the country. So if they want to buy the books and have a go themselves, they're absolutely very welcome. Um, and then they can email us and say, um, I'd like to take my test. What do I do? We do have a section on on the website, um, but we are in the process of of redoing the whole website um, to make it because some of it's not that user friendly. Um, so it literally is. We have got volunteers behind the scenes beavering away with a brand new website. Um, and yeah, they're they're you know contact us and, and we'll help in any way we can. We have a list on the website of our instructors um, and uh, contact forms for them. 
And what about people listening in other countries? Is there any opportunity for them to get involved in this? So we do have an instructor in Sweden. um, And certainly in this day and age, we're mainly UK based, but certainly we have, there is, you know, there's precedent. We do have an instructor in Sweden. Um, So it's something we have discussed about whether we could, you know, take over the world or go global. No, not really. (laughs) Um, So... It's not something we're doing yet, but certainly it's something that we, as the trustees, we have discussed. And I think it's, I I would like to see it personally. I I don't see a problem. Um, It's just getting the infrastructure and kind of doing it really, I guess. So presumably you need some interest from people who are trainers or in a position to be able to be instructors in those other countries and if people email us we've we've got our requirements of, of what we look for in our instructors and if they email us we can send them to them um, and certainly chat about it and if they've got you know if they know well I would have this many students and I could they could then you know we could talk to them about the logistics of, of people actually doing that yes yeah, certainly um, so I know that in some countries, especially like America, that it's very limited in terms of what's available if you do want to train in a force-free yes. way. So. Yeah, certainly it's been discussed having uh, having instructors abroad and having students abroad and, you know, running with this. I mean, yeah, as you say, in America, training force-free, gun dog training force-free is even more of an issue, I think, than it is in this country. So, um uh, and again, you know, with modern technology and videos and so forth, the world is getting smaller and smaller and it's certainly doable. So, yeah. I'm going to interrupt this fabulous discussion to bring you today's whistle pause. The whistle pause is where an ad break would usually be, but I don't have an ad break. I just have me and my whistle, my trusty T12, on which I'm going to play you a tune. The sad thing about my whistle at the moment is that it's dying a little bit, so bits of plastic have broken off. So it will only blow if I blow it really loudly, then a note will come out. Otherwise, it's this kind of whispery, hoarse, airy, breathy noise. So I've got another whistle on order, and I'd like to reassure you that the the whistle pause will improve in quality in future episodes. Now, the reason we don't have an ad break here and you have this whistle pause instead is because I don't have a sponsor. I don't want a sponsor because I want to be completely free to recommend the products I want to recommend. And I don't want to have to recommend a product that I don't believe in or love in order to get sponsorship. So there are some ways you can support me, though, because otherwise it is just me making this podcast. So, if you like this podcast, there are some simple things and free things that you can do. One is to share it and to tell other people about it, and to post it on social media, and to promote it whenever you can. The other thing you can do will benefit you as well, I hope. You can check out some of my courses, my online platform, forcefreegundog.com. And you can also check out my book, force-free gundog training and the accompanying workbook for it which is a planner called the workbook you can get both of these from amazon wherever you live that is the end of today's whistle pause let's get back to the show yeah 
And in terms of geographical spread in the UK with people doing the test at the moment, is there sort of um, the most people in one area doing these tests or are people spread evenly throughout? Fairly well spread, actually. We've got quite, we've actually now got an instructor in Wales, which is brilliant because we haven't had one for ages. We're kind of looking, you know, we'd like someone north of the border would be helpful. Um, but we've got a reasonably good spread now. So it's, it's yeah, it really is quite widely spread now. Um, geographically, everyone might not have one as close as they would like, but I would say everyone's probably only, you know, at most a couple of hours from, from a trainer now. Um, mm. I think, I don't know, because I haven't actually looked, but I've got a feeling we're up to as many trainers as we had before the announcement if not more actually that's the announcement to be forced for yes yeah Yeah. I think you know the having the less was really was a very temporary thing I think I would have to double check but I've got a feeling we're we're back up to speed now and like I say we didn't have an, uh, an instructor in Wales before and we have now and that's the thing we've had with with new instructors joining us they've said they didn't join us before because we weren't force free and so that move again has encouraged more you know, instructors to, to come on board with us, yeah. um, which is it's just wonderful. It's, uh, yeah, I'm so glad. I mean, we were going to do it anyway, but it's it's just worked out so well. Um, yeah. And those instructors will continue to learn and compete themselves and yeah, absolutely. take yeah. well. So I mean, we're, we're constantly getting, we've, we've had lots of emails from other people that are interested in being instructors and they're kind of in the process of just getting more experience themselves so they can meet our requirements. Um, so again, exciting times. There's going to be more and more coming on board all the time, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Maybe they should talk to Colette. She was just telling me that her her idea, new idea, is to train trainers. Um, uh, so to take yeah, people who doing... already train or instruct, yeah, and so teach she's... them how to have gundog skills to be able yeah, to... Yeah, so also um, Jules is doing that as well. So they've right. set up the Gundog Training Academy. Oh, um, right, yes. So, that, yeah. so that's... So that's um, you know, as a more formal and actual course. And I, they're, they're trying to sort of get all that accredited and everything. Yeah. Um, I do wonder though, if, this, if it will, if we're going to end up with these two distinct pockets, like, you know, force free stuff, um, which is going to have a flavor of pet owners about it. On, and on the other side, you know, um, hardcore mainstream. Yeah, I know, I know what you how mean. How we can avoid that and how we can manage to blend these some more. I mean, um, I think without sounding patronizing, it's easier for someone from a pet dog training background to perhaps learn some of the basic gun dog skills to teach than for a dyed in the wall traditional gun dog trainer to learn how to be force free. Um, yeah. I think the time scale is different with regard to those. T- and, I, and I know I want to sound, you know, that I'm patronizing. I mean, a lot of the traditional trainers, the skill, some, you know, the skills they have got the experience they've got you know we we we, we can't just dismiss that um absolutely yeah. not um we're quite lucky that a few of our trainers um I mean certainly Colette she's she's done a number of novice tests and been very successful so we have got some on our books that are you know really quite experienced at competing against all the gun dog, you know, all gun dog trainers, and they're not specifically, although they train force free and that's how they teach, they're still very much out there in the gun dog world doing what they're doing. Um, and I think having people like that around to kind of almost bridge the gap between the two two worlds, as it were, um, is really useful. Um, yeah. I mean, and that, and that's the thing, as I say, we certainly don't want to be dismissive of 
other gun dog trainers that have been doing this for you know 40 odd years it, it's just that the end product we just have a different way of getting there but the end product is you know a, a great working dog um yeah I mean that's why we don't want to have these two isolated communities is because there's so much that we can learn yeah, from no, that absolutely that yeah yeah no, I completely agree yeah no absolutely you know, we, I mean, we're very keen to hear from, and, and we have had some interest actually of traditional trainers that do want to kind of learn what we're about and what we're trying to do and how we're trying to achieve it. And that, and that again, that's that's wonderful. And and I'm hoping that in time we'll we'll get more of that. Um, yeah, if they know how successful it is and how much demand there is for it, then there's a big incentive for them to learn learn how to do it. Like I say, we we were surprised at the demand. We knew there was a demand, but we're surprised at just how much demand there was for it and and the feedback we've had um yeah it's definitely the way to go i mean we pippo had been thinking about it for for you know quite some time i think um and it was just the case of doing it really and making the decision and kind of but but now it's been done um yeah it's a great move and like i say it's the feedback we've had has been wonderful so yeah but equally, yeah. um, you know, we don't want to completely write off all other gun dog trainers because that's, you know, like they, they've definitely got something to add. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't, you know, absolutely. I think for me, it's about the fact that dogs come almost wired with a desire to hunt anyway, if yeah. they're Spaniels or, or HBRs, for example. And unless we have the skills to be able to channel that instinct, it's going to backfire and lead to problems lead to a well dog yeah problems. we get yeah. lots of inquiries of you know a, a lot of inquiries come to us um from pet dog owners saying my spaniel's a year old um it's it's great it's wonderful except when it sees something and then it chases it and then it won't come back and it's or its nose goes down and it runs off or you know it's, it's that kind of thing it's it's their instincts kick in and it's and it's teaching people how to manage those instincts um just yeah, that's that's the big thing I think, is that yeah. the gun dog instincts take over, and it's and it's not your dog being disobedient or naughty. It's it's instincts, and it's just learning how to work with the dog to to sort of give them an appropriate outlet. Yeah, so it's kind of I see it was almost necessary if you're just going to own a gun dog breed, regardless of whether or not you want to do any gun dog training with it. So you-, you need to understand their evolution, the purpose for which they were bred, and as a result, what sort of behaviours they're going to show. Um, because they will, to a to a to a greater or lesser extent, depending on, you know, sort of the breeding and the and, and what you've done with them. Um, at the end of the day, they were bred for a job. Um, and in evolutionary terms, that wasn't very long ago. And so they still want to do that job <laughs> whether they realize yeah. that's what they want to do or, or not but that the yeah. instincts are there so yeah um the, the game scent will awaken that yeah part of I mean, their it, brain. it's the same um, with any breed any 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 dog you get as a as a pet you kind of need to be aware of of what was its evolutionary purpose what was it bred to do um and kind of bear that in mind when you're looking for training or or how you're gonna sort of live with with that animal um, yeah definitely and that and that all a, a lot of behavioral issues behavioral issues are actually dogs just wanting to exhibit their normal behaviors and unfortunately barking is a normal dog behavior chewing is a normal bark, dog behavior digging is a normal dog behavior but we don't like it 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't mind it, but a lot, you yeah. know, but a lot, a lot of pet owners don't like it. But unfortunately, that's that's you know, that's what dogs do. <laughs> that's what dog training is. Yes. So giving them appropriate <laughs> outlets, so they they kind of get to have their being a dog, but in a in a way that's that's also conducive with being a pet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. So how do people, if people want to um, look you up or look up the Gundog Club online, what do you want to just say what the website is? Yeah, and... so the website is www.thegundogclub, or one word, .co.uk. And you can reach us on admin, A-D-M-I-E-I, A-D-M-I-N, at thegundogclub, or one word, .co.uk. And cool. uh, uh, yeah, any queries? I mean, have a, have a look through the website. Most of the information is on the website, but we do appreciate it's it's not the easiest. But it is in progress that the uh, the website's going to be updated. There's going to be a lot more um, articles and information on there that, that Pippa's going to put on for us. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned the books have been rewritten as well. The books are being edited as we speak to make them force free because they're they're not at the moment. Um, that's being done, um, and yeah, we're just going to try and you know move with the times and have a lot more on the website, make it more user friendly. Um, you know, try and keep up to date with once once we've got all this kind of stuff out of the way, which is quite time consuming. We can keep up to date with newsletters and you know that kind of thing. Certainly, look us up on Facebook. It's called the Gundog Trust graded training um but a uh, group um so we actually put a lot of stuff on facebook now just it's, it's easier um so certainly look us up on there that's that's quite an active group quite a lot of information about upcoming courses and so forth going on there so that's worth a look as well if you're interested um excellent yeah i think that's it cool. well thank you very very much for no um, thank you for asking to us today claire yeah, thank you no thank you um, it's been good to have you okay Thank you. Thanks very much. Hold the line. That's all for this week, folks. Please don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes of Hold the Line. Hold the line. Hold the line. Hold the line. Hold the line.